Hi, and welcome to another episode of that podcast. I'm Dave. And I'm Bo. And long time no speak. How's it going, man? Oh, it's been very, very busy for me. I've been traveling a lot, but um, I'm back now for almost a month and a half, two months before I have to go away again. So that's going to be pretty nice. At least go away for work stuff. Yeah, uh, that's cool. Yeah. So uh, before we get into anything, first order of business is we got voicemail. Uh, (laughs) It's probably the best one we've had for quite some time, I'd say. Yeah. yeah, probably we had a couple of like spammy ones as such, but not that this isn't spam, but uh, so I'll just play it for you for us now and I'll splice it into the audio later. Uh, <laughs> how do I get, just let me get to it. Um, yeah. So we think, and we assume that's John, Jonathan Wage, because he did sort of tweet to us afterwards, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he said that he was going to try and call in, but got distracted and his cat ended up leaving a message that's right so, yep. yep so that was jonathan wade cto <laughs> open sky uh, he's also he was quite heavily involved in doctrine wasn't he i don't yep. know if he's mm-hmm. still and uh, i don't uh, is there anything anything else he's done? i mean i recently actually he open sourced a, a php unit uh tool for parallelizing uh test runs which is pretty cool uh, there's been a few of those about the bot for a while now, but I'll link that in the show notes. I think it was called uh, PHP Chunkit. Worth checking out. Nice. Yeah, I think I see. I saw that floating around as well. Cool. So yeah, it's good that our voicemail got a little bit of action. Um, it's been it's been pretty quiet. So if anyone else wants to leave a message, we've got the uh, the phone number on our website, and we, we're tweeting it out regularly as well. Uh, it's a good way to interact with us. We've actually had a lot of people talking with us on our Twitter account as well. Um, I've been kind of seeding out some uh, questions to try and get people to talk. Um, like one of the ones that kind of went around a little bit ago was um, um, I was asking people who else has worked with Spark and what kind of applications they've built. Um, I did, did you did you follow any of those conversations at all? Yeah, I did. I, I looked at least at um, I, I definitely looked at that Spark one because there's a couple of interesting projects posted. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, yeah. In fact, one hey. of them might have been useful. It was doing something that I'd done fairly recently. They'd made it mm-hmm. into a little SaaS. That was cool. Yeah, it was uh, screendit.com. Uh, it was from uh, Caleb Porzio. And um, yeah, because we, 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 we talked about that you were doing that. And I thought that might be a fun project for you and I to work on would be to build, basically build what he built. <laughs> mm. um, uh, so yeah, it was kind of nice to see that was already out there. Um, I don't know. I, th- I thought some of the conversation was interesting. Um, uh, Tony Quilkey? Um, it's Tony RQ on, on Twitter, um, commented on some of these cause he, he, uh, he sort of saw that this conversation going on and he commented on how he was surprised that a lot of spark developers hadn't bothered to change the, the, the layout much. Mm. Um, and one of the things that, uh, Caleb Porzio came back with was basically, uh, I think it's, uh, to quote him, uh, to Laravel people that might look like crap. Uh, but to the people who will pay me, it uh, it does just fine. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think it's a, a, one of those uh, mindsets that I think that certain people in the Laravel community definitely are in that, you know, the, it doesn't have to look perfect. It doesn't have to be architected perfectly if it gets the job done um, and, you know, serves a need and people are willing to pay you, then that, that that's what you need to build um, instead of getting bogged down in some of the architecture stuff. Yeah. Is it is it bootstrap the um yeah i think it is i think it is bootstrap, yeah. I, bootstrap I, I, and, I seem to recall yeah. seeing those uh those panels everywhere i think that's where the mm-hmm. most repetitive bit 
comes from me seeing yeah. those panels. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I love Bootstrap, I'll be completely honest. Uh, it, it has been a sort of a very back-end type person. Bootstrap makes a lot of things easier for me. I'm actually, I've actually been doing a lot of Bootstrap this last week, uh, ref- sort of redesigning our front end a bit. Uh, and I think, I was actually thinking... I could probably write an ebook on titled um, "Refactoring a Legacy Frontend to UI Trends from Five Years Ago" <laughs> because I'm really good at that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know, I, I are touching things like uh, all these new hipster things like uh, React and, and Vue.js and Webpack and stuff, but I'm great at things like jQuery and Twitter Bootstrap. <laughs> nice. But it's much better than what I had before, and that's the important mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Um, yeah just, that, that sort of- just quickly on that, uh, mm-hmm. I'm so, so glad that semantic markup is less of a thing now and people don't seem to care <laughs> so much because it's so much easier without that rubbish. You know, yeah. on, on, littering my code with blocks and classes of all kinds of nature just makes it so, makes life so much easier for me anyway um, as, a, mm-hmm. as a more of a back-end type person. Yeah. Yeah, that's you know, both both that and what we were talking about before uh, play into an article I uh, read the other day on um, why someone chose Vue.js over React. Did you did you see that? I didn't article know. at all. I didn't see it now. Yeah, it's an article by Anton Citizen uh, on PixelJets.com, and kind of walked through um, his experience on using React and using Vue and kind of you know. This, this whole idea of React being pure functions and purity and architecture over getting getting things done uh, it was it was kind of it, it was it was it was actually interesting to read especially after my experience with react last year um, how it you know it does take longer to do things with react and I got the I got the typical feedback on um, stuff that I you know, it's something I probably would have said as well basically that you know, you can still do it right and get the job done, <laughs> mm. uh, and, and you can do it quickly. Uh, but I, I, I feel like I've played with that a lot over the years, and I don't know if I buy that anymore. Like, not entirely, anyway. I think that trying to do it right is always going to take a little bit longer um, up front, and sometimes even in maintenance. Like implementing some of these architecture patterns, it's just painful it could be super painful even up front yeah i was thinking about this the other day a bit i think sometimes some of these you know how um people talk about um and people might say sometimes say in a bit of a derogatory way like some of these less architecture type things are good for small websites or small Mm -hmm. but you know and i was thinking more about it it might work the other way i think you know like when you talk about the architectural patterns are good in the enterprise Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is because I think possibly that in the enterprise like scenario, there are so many more enablers. For I mean, I I've worked in a fairly large company when there was so loads of architectural type things going on, but even as a back end developer, I didn't need to worry about them because there were other people in the company taking care of that stuff. Like now, like when you were working with, you were doing CQRS and event sourcing on the back end and you're doing mm-hmm. React on the front end, you were doing all of that. Like yeah. if there was, not only were you implementing a feature, but you were also having to maintain the, what I'd call the infrastructure to be able to enable that feature. So you were yeah. having to make sure that the CQRS 
framework was working. Whereas in the enterprise, there literally are play, there'll be people doing that kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's developers supporting developers, which you don't get in small websites or small builds or small teams. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering how much that might sort of affect that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So um, if we want to be super, uh, was it topical? Um, Adam Within tweeted something about 10 minutes ago. <laughs> Go on, then. Uh, I'm fully convinced that the single responsibility principle is responsible for ma- more bad code, procedural anti OO code disguised as OO than any other pattern or principle. And uh, yeah, well, I think the single responsibility principle is just badly communicated everywhere isn't it mm-hmm. uh, that's the yeah. problem with it and i am um, for a long time i've been sort of i've bemoaned it as people's excuse for uh not liking something they, they yeah. see some code and their code review is single responsibility principles being violated or something like that <laughs> and it's yeah. just it, it's just a it's a i can throw that at just about any single piece of code i've ever seen yeah uh, yeah and yeah, I had a. I don't know if I, it's, an, I, don't, I don't know if I'd go quite as far to as to say it's responsible for some of the worst stuff I've seen, but yeah, so, <laughs> I don't yeah, either. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I think uh, I I I feel like I've seen quite. A, I've only been how long have we, you been in the, this industry? So I'm coming up to 13 years in, in industry now, and I've yeah. worked with some. I've worked with programmers who did not care for it as. They they were not interested in in programming one bit, mm-hmm. and I'm not just talking about people who who didn't do it in their spare time because I don't think that's a requirement to be. You can still be mm-hmm. interested in your day job and not do it all night as well. Yeah, but I've worked with people who literally sort of like at a time when their granddads or their parents were sort of like saying you need to get into computers because mm-hmm. that's where the money is, or and they. They've sort of been led down this path, and they didn't enjoy it at all. And they didn't want to learn; they just wanted to copy and paste code until it worked. Uh, yeah, you know. And uh, I've seen some of the stuff that they've produced without even knowing what the single responsibility principle <laughs> is or was. So I don't know how we can blame it for for the worst stuff I've ever seen. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I was having a discussion with uh, someone at SymphonyCon Berlin. And for the life of me, I, I, on the spot right now, I don't remember what his name was, but he was um, his his goal in life, which is a hyperbole, of course. But his goal with one of the projects that he's working on is to try and um, show a working example of putting all of these best principles into place in the in in the place of a framework. Um, and one of his big uh, complaints with modern frameworks. It was interesting because it, it it related directly to the talk that I was going to be giving or had just given that day on uh, containers and how the fact that we have uh, inversion of control, dependency injection, uh, dependency inversion from solid, um, and how they're all sort of related but don't really mean things. Um, and and his, his problem was with containers and this whole notion of uh, inversion of control that something else is creating his objects for him. So his whole web framework that he's building is basically going to be uh, an example of trying to show how to do that uh, without ever have, letting anything else call new for you. Um, so, I mean, it's just interesting to see like people's takes on some of these patterns and like trying to take them to the 
the extreme. And it's like, I, I'm interested to see how this turns out for him. But at the same time, like I, I, I'm, I'm wondering how like pragmatic that's going to be to actually use, um, you know, and then you have people like uh, Paul M. Jones, who is on a crusade, or at least for a little while was on a crusade for never calling new anywhere, but in a factory. So mm. you just wouldn't have new object anywhere. You'd call a factory to create it, but, what news the factory, you know, it's turtles all the way down. Once you start going down some of these things. Um, and uh, so Taylor's follow up, like a minute after Adam posted that, which I, I sometimes wonder if they time these things. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they're all on the same page. Uh, it was basically uh, uh, people run into uh, run with it into this pit of despair, which I think is true for like pretty much any pattern, whether it be single responsibility print, uh, principle or whatever, you know, you get, so caught up in that one thing that you know every it's at the expense of anything else and sometimes it's at the expense of the project actually working or getting completed or getting completed on time um you know it's really it's, it can be really difficult to know when to back off and just get the job done and do it as best as you can without you know feeling too bad about yourself for not following the patterns just right yeah definitely so um one of the things that I, I've, I've done, I think, since our last episode, I'm not sure. Did I talk about email delivery last episode? I don't think you did. I, th- I think that was something that I had on my list at one point to ask you yeah, so, to talk about. Um, I was previously using Amazon SES, so that's simple email service, I think, uh, mm-hmm. for our transactional emails. Now, I'd, I'd seen the other ones come and go. And one of the things that we didn't absolutely need... Um, a lot of the transactional email services, they offer things on top of the delivery, so the open and click tracking, sort of statistics, that kind of thing. It's not something mm-hmm. that we never really needed. Um, so, And because we already had billing set up for Amazon and all that kind of thing, I just used SES. Uh, we already have our, our own proprietary click tracking anyway from when we were using an SMTP server, you know, our own run, uh, mm-hmm. Postfix or whatever it was. Um so I was quite happy with SES, but we started to get more and more complaints about uh, non-deliveries. Um, we've definitely had a problem with one particular ISP in this country called Virgin Media. They also run Blue Yonder and NTL World, I think. And we're still having problems with them now, but they kind of triggered this sort of to see what we could do to try and fix it mm-hmm. and to try and improve delivery. So I actually put a tweet out and asked what sort of if people had seen improvements with other companies. Uh, and some people actually made comparisons to SES itself. Some people just told me that their experiences with these other companies. Mm-hmm. And I think fairly, con- I wouldn't say fairly, like really consistently, but at least at least three or four people mentioned Postmark as being their, the, the, the one that they'd seen the best delivery with. Mm-hmm. So, excuse me. So I set up uh, Postmark, an account with Postmark, and I think I, I think you get 30,000 free emails um, with your trial account, which is pretty good. And then I think they one of their automated emails came to me and said, if you reply to this, you get another 30,000. So I quickly replied to that. <laughs> uh, so that's giving me 60,000 emails to, to test this out with. So I chose one of our transactional emails, and I set up our system so that I could... Um, split test the uh, transport for the outgoing email. So I literally sent one of our transactional emails 50-50 between SES and Postmark. 
And I was really pleased with the results um, using our own open tracking. So this isn't even just delivery. This is actually people opening. So the, the margin with delivery would be even greater because obviously not everyone opens every email they receive. Uh, we saw an 11% uptake in open rates with Postmark, wow. which is really good. You know, and at the amount of email we're sending, that's a lot of email, a lot of extra emails getting opened. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it is it is more expensive. Uh, the ratio of cost to improvement isn't uh, linear, certainly, uh, but it's such an important part of our business. You know, I mean, these are this particular email was when somebody has sent you a when a, it's the message received notification. So, you know, if someone's using our secure messaging system to get in touch with you, we send you a an email and push notification if you use our mobile app. And it's obviously a very important notification because, you know, you need to be responding to these messages. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so huge for us. So I quickly uh, got a billing set up on Postmark and switched all of our email over over the course of two or three days. I didn't want to turn it all over all at once. I like to ramp these things up. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's all in place now. And I, the actual Postmark people got in touch with me and asked if they could do a little write-up for their customer sort of success stories. So mm-hmm. so that's live on their site now. It's kind of cool. A few quotes from me and what happened and stuff. So, so nice. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, there's, uh, there are a couple of uh, growing pains. Um, for example, if... So with Amazon, if they get a bounce, like a hard bounce, or a spam notification, which is where the user has marked you as spam, it will put them on a blacklist or something and then we'll just silently not deliver to them, mm. which worked great for us because we actually did, we received, Amazon tell you when that happens so you can do something like suspend the account or something, which is great and we did that but often we found that people would do things like hit the spam button and not realize or mm-hmm. they'd have some sort of... um you know, antivirus plugin in their email that would decide it's spam and notify their ISP that it was spam, which is then in turn notify Amazon. Uh, and what we've actually seen is that people, so what, with Postmark, if they get a spam notification, they hard, like, block that person and then their mm-hmm. API blocks as well. So it will throw a, a, an exception if you use their mm-hmm. standard SDK or, or Guzzle or whatever, it's going to throw an exception. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was a bit weird at first because I kept, there was one lady in particular who kept getting our emails. Whatever she was using for her email would mark it as spam, postmark it to suspend her account, and then I had to email their customer support asking them to you know, un- un- lift the yeah. suspension, which just isn't going to scale for us. So mm-hmm. a bit of a pain. But thankfully, there's not been as many. It just seemed like, like the one lady who... It happened several times within the first few days of us going live to Postmark, and I was thinking, "Oh God, is this going to be, you know, is this going to be <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how it's going to be?" But thankfully, mm-hmm. that's not been a problem so far. So, yeah, other than that, it's been great. I'm really pleased with it. Awesome, that sounds cool. Yeah, and just I just had literally just had a look at the stats now, and I'm still seeing anywhere between an, an eight to twelve percent improvement on open rates. Never mind delivery. Mm-hmm. Uh, although soon I'm going to switch to their open and click tracking just because mm. it'll save a few CPU cycles on our servers and theirs will, yeah. theirs will be no doubt better than mine as well. 
Cool. So I have some... Uh, I've sort of been collecting a few links here and there of things I thought looked pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just thought... I'll just, I don't want to hog all the time we've got, but did you see... Uh, I don't know how we, how we're supposed to pronounce this, but the, the URL is dply.co. Um, off the top of my head, I don't think so. No. Well, I'll read the tagline to you. Sure. Uh, I, I think I have actually seen another of these types of services pop up as well since then. Create a cloud server free for two hours. Add more time as you need it. Hmm. So it's going to create sort of a... I don't know who it's backed by, uh, but it's going to create a server, a, a virtual server for you, and you've got it for two hours for free. And then after that, you just pay uh, $2 for two more days if you, if you want it after those two two hours. Hmm. I just thought it was pretty cool. Like, I mean, literally free, you know what I mean? Like it, yeah. And um, I think it just turns itself off. So it's not even, huh. you know, it's not like you're gonna. You've got to manage it yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you literally, yeah. So you you don't. Well, I think what I'm trying to say is you never have an unexpected bill if you see what I mean. Yeah. So that's, I just thought it was pretty cool. Um, and I thought I'd bring it up on the uh, the show. Yeah, that's, that's speaking interesting. Of, speaking of like collecting links, I was. I, do you use anything to manage your bookmarks? Ah, oh, no, I've. I've- I've gone from thing to thing over the years, and I have a bunch of very ill-maintained bookmarks in Chrome. Basically, I've I've, I've what, what decided is just, it just that has got to be the worst part of Google Chrome, the bookmark yeah. manager. It's just a list, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, I can't even order by the date I've added them, which is yeah, yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I I I, I use Pinboard. It was the last one that I tried to mm. actively use. Um, I started to use it to. Um, I was mostly using it to save my stars on Twitter to somewhere because uh, it had integration with that, so that I could eventually go back and look at um, things like a read later sort of deal. Um, but yeah, I, I haven't actually logged into Pinboard. I just follow Pinboard for the comedy on Twitter at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So. I don't know. I need to find something to manage bookmarks better than I do now. But anyway, if you want to check that out, dply.co. Uh, and think in terms of uses like um, if you've got an open source project like a, like a forum or something, can you imagine mm-hmm. if you've got like a button, just you plonk it there on your mm-hmm. site and it's – and, you know, you could hit that button. Like like people have – like we have a one-click deploy on Heroku button for our mm-hmm. voicemail app, don't we? Yeah. Which is great, but then – in theory, that Heroku diner is going to cost you money at some point. I don't know if maybe if you go over the free peer off, they change something. Whereas yeah. this is just a case of this is not going to cost you anything. It's going to kill itself in two hours. Mm-hmm. Your button fires up the demo and they can play with it and see what's like. I think that's really Yeah, that's cool. pretty awesome. Yeah. That's cool. So what have you got to say? What have you been... What's on your uh, list? Yeah, so on my list, um, I have PHP World... Uh, uh, attended PHP World this year, not as a speaker. Um, it was my first time doing uh, Blackfire and Sensio uh, sponsorship 
table duty where that was like all I was doing for a conference with a lot of people and other people at the table with me. So that was kind of cool. Uh, we ended up not doing a whole lot of demos, um, for that. Um, but yeah, it was, it was pretty fun to, uh, ran into a bunch of people that I hadn't seen in a while. Um, it was, it was pretty nice. Um, uh, it's, it's still pretty small though. Um, and it, I've, I've sensed that like in the U S is that the conferences seem to top out at anywhere from 200 to 300, like for big conferences. Um, and I don't know, you, you've been to more conferences in the UK and Europe. Like, are, do you feel like they're bigger? I've only been to a couple in the States. I don't know, one in the States. So mm-hmm. I, d- I don't really have a lot to basis for comparison, but there are a lot more. I know, I think PHP Northwest is regularly more than 300 people there. Yeah. I, d- I can't remember how many were there last time, but I don't know. Yeah. But it seems like even at things like, I've seen PHP World and ZenCon. They have like five days, don't they? Like six tracks or something. Yeah, yeah. They and do. they only have up to three hundred people. Yeah. Uh, well, so-, so I haven't been to ZenCon any time in the last two or three years, so I don't know how what, what the attendance looks like there. But what I've what I've gathered um, and what I've sort of seen at PHP World was that the the tracks were really wide, but they weren't very filled out um, mm. in some cases. So. That's um, amazing. I mean, I'm surprised they managed to pay all the speakers and things. Mind you, over there, if they're paying, so intern domestic flights are, fa- are fairly cheap, are they not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are they, would you say domestic flights are cheaper than European flights, like from? Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know about that because we're in a we're in a weird spot in Madison here because we have to make two hops or we have to right. make at least one stop yeah. um, wherever we go. So I think there's probably a lot of people like that, but I think it can easily be four or $500 for us to go to the West coast or to the East coast mm. uh, per person, which I guess is uh, 300, 300 pounds, maybe yeah. 250, 300 pounds. I just, just wondered because it, it, when I see those tracks, I've never been to some of those ZenCon or PHP mm-hmm. world, PHP tech, I, I always assumed like they still maintain a fairly high ratio of attendees to speakers, whereas uh, what you're saying suggests yeah. not compared to some of the European conferences where there might only be two tracks or three tracks. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that I think a lot of it has to do with expectations and goals for the conferences. I know that PHP World, in particular, has really lofty goals about being able to be a, a place specifically where you can bring different communities together. Mm. Um, and that's kind of what ZenCon has gone to the last couple of years as well. Right. Um, so you end up with like the Symphony track, the WordPress track, the Joomla track. Um, but I think I think that at least in the U.S., it seems to be kind of a hard sell. Is what I've sort of seen um, because you know the the tickets for a five day conference are pretty pretty high, and you're you're going with the the supposed benefit of being able to interact with other communities, but you might not be interested in that at all. <laughs> Uh, you might just be going for the the WordPress track, or you might just be mm-hmm. going for the Symphony track. In which case, you can go to any number of WordCamps, or you can go to any number of Joomla specific things, or you know any of the Magento conferences. You can just go to those and just you know just do that. It might be cheaper, and you might get more content that's specifically geared toward your silo, which which is unfortunate that that's the way it is, or that's the way that it, it looks like it's it's turned out. Um, over the last couple of years. So I, I hope that they keep doing it and I hope that they keep pushing that because I think it's a good thing. Um, but it just in general, I've noticed that conferences in the States tend to be 
a lot smaller than the ones that I've been to. PHP Northwest seemed to be pretty sizable. Uh, PHP South Coast was kind of on the smaller side. Mm. Uh, Symphony Live London, I think that's maybe 200 people, but that, you know, I sense that for a lot of like the Symphony Lives that aren't in Paris tend to be smaller anyway. Mm. Um, but even Symphony Live in Berlin last year um, seemed to be big. It was like four or 500 people, I want to say, or, you know, at least, you know, mid 300s. Um, same thing with like uh, Forum PHP. Like that one was before SymphonyCon Berlin this year, Symphony. Our um, forum PHP in Paris was, I want to say, 500 people, easy. And it was just two tracks. So when you talked to people, <laughs> you know, you, mm. the chances were that you were going to be talking to, you know, at least 100, 150 people, if not, you know, 400, if you managed to be the the more popular of the two. Um, so yeah, it's it's been it's been interesting looking at the the comparisons now. I've I've been I've been to enough of these things in both the states and over in Europe that I'm sort of seeing this trend that the European conferences just seem to be a lot bigger, uh, mm. drawing a bigger crowd. So, and I haven't been to any Lar- Laravel conferences, so I'm not sure what those are like. But I think those might actually get more people. One is um, it's possible that that crowd might be a little bit bigger, uh, but they only do one conference a year dedicated to that. So of course more people are going to do that, whereas yeah. Yeah. So yeah, PHP World was was good. Um, you know, it was a different experience for me than the other years that I've been there, just because I I wasn't speaking and I I didn't really get to any talks at all. Um, but it was a good chance for me to uh, meet um, Scott, uh, the guy that I've been working with on the Sensio Labs team. He's in Boston. Uh, we got to um, talk to some people at, from the Fig Leaf booth. Uh, they're the people that are doing some of our training stuff with us. Um, and then, uh, Unleashed Technologies was actually at our table. So, uh, that was pretty cool. So we got to spend some time with them and do some fun things with them as well. That's cool. Um, yeah, so there was that. And then SymphonyCon Berlin was really big. Um, I had th- th- like 1200 people. Goodness <laughs> me. Yeah. So I mean, it, it was over twice as big as any conference that I'd been at before with the exception of, you know, being Dr- next Drupal to Con. a DrupalCon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we, we, we were both at DrupalCon or next to DrupalCon, uh, for Symphony Live in Portland. Yeah. Several years ago. 1200 people. That's amazing. I mean, I, yeah. I, I've been slightly removed from the Symphony community for a while now, but it, I think it's almost like it's just like a silent, silently chugging along. And, yeah. uh, and I mentioned that enterprise thing. It's definitely a choice for the enterprise, isn't it? And, mm-hmm. uh, so that's awesome. 1200 people is amazing. Yeah. It was, uh. It was actually kind of uncomfortable sometimes, like during the breaks, because, mm. you know, everybody would like rush to get coffee at the coffee time and it, it was hard to move, like to actually like maneuver around people. So it was, it was pretty impressive. Um, they just published a, uh, it looks like, uh, Sensi Labs just published a video recap of, um, SymphonyCon Berlin. So that'd be kind of fun. I'll, I'll put that in the show notes, uh, you can get a, an idea of like what the crowds were like. So that was, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Sounds awesome. Yeah, and I gave my uh, Laravel container talk at SymphonyCon Berlin. <laughs> um, Master troll. Yeah, all things considered, uh, all things considered, I think it went pretty well. Um, yeah. I got some help from um, Kevin Douglas. Uh, I don't know if that's how you pronounce his last name. Yep. Uh, but uh, he gave me a little bit of insight into the auto kind of the, for Symphony. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He does that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He's been working very hard on bringing some more. Uh, developer experience related things uh, related to auto wiring um, to 
uh, symphony. So that's been really cool. I actually had a, a pretty de uh, self-deprecating slide, um, basically when I, when auto wiring dropped with two eight last year, just before um, Symphony Live San Francisco. Um, I took a look really excited, and then I'm like, "What's the point? You still have to define the service, and then you have to tell it it's auto wired." It's like, mm. it's it's eh. Um, so I actually had a slide up there. Um, just to, to make the point that I wasn't very happy with it, but at the same time, I didn't do anything about it. So then I went on to talk about uh, some of the other people who've actually created third-party bundles to try to make these things better. Yeah. Uh, so I brought it back to Symphony at the end, which I had previously anyway, because I still think that Symphony's container, like with the uh, the, the, the flexibility and the power that you get with uh, being able to compile the container, um, you know, the compiler passes and all of that's really great, but if you need that stuff, if you don't, and you just want to do rapid application development, then then it's a huge uh, barrier to actually like making those changes quickly. Yeah, so. it would be pretty cool if if, if that um, config actually caused the compilation to to do it at compilation time, so mm -hmm. it, like compiled the autoness. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, I remember seeing it at the time, and yeah. Yeah, so that was the last uh, the last trip that I was on. So I've been back now. Um, uh, you can't see it very well, but my office has actually gotten worse. Like it kind of like peaked at about seventy percent unpacked and clean, and now has like I can't actually back up in my chair without running into a box. So um, Beck Beck and I are kind of moving into cleanup mode slash let's actually get moved in. Um, especially now that I'm back and I'm not going to be away for a little while. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's cool. Yep. So, um, and, go on. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, sort of related to that. One corner is dedicated to DJ gear right now. Cool. And, um, I'm actually, uh, going out with the family tonight to do some do it yourself related, um, chores to go get some shelving material so I can actually set up my DJ gear. So I'm actually going to do it. Um, last night I opened up my boxes. My, well, I have one box of records and I didn't know which records I had with me because, you know, I probably had thousands of records and I only have like 60 now. Um, so I started going through them. It was pretty awesome. Uh, it's like the very first one I picked up was like this really classic track from like, you know, 96 or something. And I was like, oh, it's going to be awesome. And Luke was standing next to me and he looked at me with this matter of fact expression and said, do you think you can even do it anymore, Dad? <laughs> I was like, ooh. <laughs> Sounds like a challenge. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? So I, I'm definitely motivated to try and get everything all set up. Uh, I've actually been struggling with some like motivation-related things. I know that you and I have been talking about trying to get projects started and finished. And since then, between the travel and catch-up every week before travel again, yeah, I haven't been, been able to do much. And I'm starting to feel like the DJ thing might be a nice little thing for me to do that's not computer related that'll like let me unwind a little bit and kind of just have fun so that i can start having fun again doing my own side project things yeah that sounds good um like i say i've been playing video games again uh mm -hmm. I re i'm still playing metal gear solid and slowly getting through it i've i've totally totally given up on the sneaking around stuff with that game mm -hmm. and now i just go in and shoot everybody <laughs> and it it it's not quite how the game is supposed to be played, but I'm get I'm making progress. Nice. Uh, but yeah, I I've been uh, I felt a bit more motivated about some of the stuff 
uh, recently. I don't know what's changed, but yeah. And uh, talking about like doing projects and stuff, I, th- I thought we should mention our our all the. I I don't want to say failure because it's more of a calculated failure, but we were both going to do uh, Amy Hoy's Shipping Six, yeah, which is a little uh, I guess you'd call it an email course um, mm-hmm. launched by Amy Hoy uh, to sort of uh, feed into her just effing ship book, and <laughs> um, it's uh, basically every week or every, well throughout the six weeks you're going to get emails from Amy. They're going to be a lesson followed by a challenge. And me and Bo thought we'd do it together, um, mm-hmm. but we kind of like false started several times, didn't we? Because we, yeah. we couldn't like you were traveling. Uh, I had tonsillitis last week, so I didn't. I, 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 you know, I didn't get out of bed for nearly two days, mm. uh, and um, and then it's sort of like we're going to be doing the holidays is going to be right in the middle of it if we've, if we started that. So we've stalled on that a bit, but that's something we'd both like to try and do. I, I've got an idea for for it. Have you got uh, an idea of what you want to do for it? Yeah, I have a couple of ideas. I'm not for a lack of ideas. <laughs> of course, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so at some point we're going to do that. Um, I've mm. got sort of all the emails stored in a folder in my... Because we both signed up for the email list, didn't we, when we couldn't yeah. start yep. actually doing it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so at some point we're going to work through that. That'd be pretty cool. And we can talk mm. about our progress on the... Because uh, uh, my idea is definitely sort of very achievable. Um, it's something I'm... I'm I'm not going to need to research or anything like that. I know what I need to do and how to do it. So, uh, so yeah. Yeah. yeah we definitely fun. had a, a false start on that. And I was, I was actually going to try and drag back into that as well. Um, so that she could work on her book project. So that's a good idea. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if we want to, whenever it is, we get around to that. I'll probably see if she's not already finished with her thing. I'll see if we can drag her in on that as well. It'd be kind of fun. Yeah, how's, cool. how's your wife doing with the, uh, the writing stuff? She's not very well at the minute. Um, we've had a bit of a rough couple of weeks. Uh, mm. Rowan was well, basically illness has gone through the family, uh, and as these things go, no one gets ill. We don't all get it at the same time. We all get it one after the other. So either one of the two children has been poorly, or I was poorly, or Rebecca's poorly. She's literally just getting over it now. Some sort of mm. viral infection. Unfortunately for me, mine turned into a bacterial infection. I I get back. I get. I'm quite susceptible to tonsillitis and I got a bacterial form of uh, tonsillitis. Um, so I had to go get antibiotics from the doctors. By the time I saw the doctors, I was actually starting to feel better. Um, but but for whatever reason, it's made Evie and Rebecca have had like a like vomiting from it, whereas I haven't got anything like that. Rowan mm. didn't vomit. He just had the fever and... He probably had other ailments, but being three, he probably couldn't quite describe them to us yeah. <laughs> as well as as well as we would. But so yeah, so mm-hmm. that's really well knocked us for six these last couple of weeks. So Rebecca, mm-hmm. I don't think Rebecca's done any writing, mm-hmm. at least in the last couple of weeks. But she, it's not going anywhere. So I'm sure she'll pick it back up when she can. I've just um, so I don't I don't I don't know how much I'm allowed to give away. But have I mentioned that she one of the themes for it is uh, falconry and that kind of thing? No. Okay, so well, so, so no. The thing I remember you talking about was the that treasure find. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Well, that was one of the things. Uh, that's. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's uh, quite interested in falconry um, as a as the kind of the sport. Hmm. And um, I just I, I went and picked up a Christmas present for her the other day. So I've I've bought like a, a gift voucher for. Her. 
about um it's only a couple of miles away there's a small uh, bed of prey like center mm-hmm. uh and she's going to go there for a day's sort of falconry experience so she'll be looking after the birds with the what I don't even know what they're called the hmm. are you a falconer what what yeah, I don't know I feel like I knew that it's a very particular like very specific word that doesn't seem related to it yeah well, anyway, so she's going to be doing that. She'll be going, taking out, taking the Harris Hawks out for a walk. Uh, I don't know if she'll hunt with them or just fly them out on a walk or whatever. But so that'll be quite nice for her, and might provide some inspiration for some part of her book. You never know. Cool, that's awesome. I don't need to worry about it spoiling the present. Rowan already did that for me. Uh. <laughs> we can, I took. A, I I had to take the opportunity to go when I had the chance, and I had Rowan with me. We had a big talk about. It's a secret not to tell mummy. And mm-hmm. we got we got in. We'd also been to uh, the toy shop and to the coffee shop, and we had tea and cake at the coffee shop. So he was. T- I could hear him telling Rebecca in the other room that he had a secret. And she was like, what is it? And he's like, I can't tell you it's a secret. And I burst in, and I said, oh, Rowan, I hope you haven't told mummy about our secret about going for a cup of tea and some cake at the coffee shop. And I thought I'd diffused the situation quite well then because it kind of uh-huh. like made it sound like that was our secret. But then, uh-huh. and he went with it. He, he he didn't mention it at all until about mm-hmm. six hours later when he was just sat on the sofa with her, with her and he just told her outright, oh, you're <laughs> going to go. <laughs> without prompting, without anything, he just said, yeah, yeah. you're going to go look after the falcons for a day. And Rebecca was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> so, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. My um my dad always had this thing that he talked about wanting for Christmas was to learn how to fly, learn how to fly airplanes. Mm. Um and he just makes idle things like that every once in a while. Like that was like his thing for several years was oh, it'd be kind of fun to learn how to f- fly a plane. And my my mom and sister got him flight lessons and he only did one of them. <laughs> like he got up there and didn't. I don't think he liked it at all. Um, so yeah, sometimes it's fun when you get something someone get something for someone that you really think they want because they said they've wanted it and then they they don't go through with it yeah. at all. Well, I guess I mean we. Uh, it was Evie's birthday last week, and um, I was really pleased about this. Like one of the things we talked about birthday presents, and mm. she talked about horse riding before, and we we kind of said to her that it's really expensive and between swimming, gymnastics, dancing, we can't really afford to be paying for another activity, mm-hmm. particularly one that's so expensive as horse riding. Yeah. But it came to me and I said to her, but if you want it for your birthday, we could, you know, arrange a present. And she, she seemed really excited about that. And I was quite pleased because it kind of meant that we weren't buying some sort of other sort of toy or something like that for a birthday that mm-hmm. was going to go, which don't get me wrong, she's always grateful for and will play with, but then it's kind of also going in the pile of other toys that they yeah. have already. Whereas something like this, um so we, we sort of did that and uh, she went for her first lesson on Saturday and part of me was actually thinking, what if what if what if she goes to this first lesson and then decides she really doesn't like this? Am yeah. I gonna have to what that's gonna be a terrible birthday present. <laughs> but, uh, but thankfully she loved it, so that was okay. Awesome. So yeah. Cool. I, we did the same though for my dad. We got him a gliding lesson, um, mm-hmm. and he really enjoyed that actually. So uh, I, I'd probably do that again for him at some point. So. Nice, cool. Do you have Do you have uh, any sort of like 
things like that you'd like to do? Not really, no. Um, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't. I, I'd like to do that stuff, but the, the list would be as long as my arm. I couldn't really, I couldn't really narrow it down to like one or two things. You know, do you, does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. It's the only one thing. I, I even birthdays and Christmases. There's nothing really I want for really. Yeah. I think the, the one thing. Uh, I said to Rebecca when I'm 40, it'd be really nice to get a nice watch. So mm. a Rolex when I'm 40. But I've picked mm. out the model and everything. If she could get one that's the, the, my birth year, that'd be really cool. Mm. So I, I, I take that back. I think that there's something that I always thought would be really cool, but would take a lot of preparation and work. And I don't think it's worth it, especially where we live now. So I'd love to, I'd love to be able to scuba dive. Mm. I think it would be great in certain waters <laughs> to go uh, scuba diving and seeing, you know, wild, uh, you know, under uh, sea life yeah. and all sorts of cool things. Uh, so someplace like Hawaii or something. Yeah, I first that... thought about it when I, when I lived in Seattle, and diving in the Puget Sound would have been awful. <laughs> it's, like, it's like black in front of you. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean that's something. That's what I'd recommend. I I I done my first whatever it is to i have my i was paddy certified with scuba diving mm-hmm. and uh, i i'd done sort of um i'd done a diving experience uh in australia without being certified just like a beginner's day thing mm-hmm. uh, and then when we, we rebecca and i went to the maldives for a nice holiday and leading up to that we decided to get paddy certified mm-hmm. and, and uh, what does that mean exactly paddy what well, paddy's like the diver's association of oh, okay and the, the, it's like world renowned as so if you do this certification then you'll be able to go dive on dive trips mm-hmm. wherever you go um so we did we were in swim pools um for a while like doing all the lessons and things and then we actually had to go to do our sort of exam and we did it in a quarry in the lake district so a dis- like this used for quarry like the trout and salmon swimming around in it, and mm. it was freezing cold. We had to do it in a dry suit. That's how cold it was. And and I, Rebecca had a really bad time of it. Um, mm. And and Rebecca's always had a thing like she didn't like taking a mask off. One of the things you have to do is take your mask off, mm-hmm. put it back on, and clear the water out of it. That's like one of the required. And she mm-hmm. really doesn't like doing that. Um, mm. And she couldn't do it on the day. And I'm not surprised, like, I mean, she'd done it in this pool loads of times, didn't like it, but did it. But on this mm-hmm. day in the freezing cold Lake District disused quarry, she just couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, um, I think four weeks later, we were in the Maldives and we went mm-hmm. and spoke to the um, the instructor there. And she was, I mean, we said, she said, we said, like, Rebecca's done all the stuff. She just didn't, like, pass this last bit of the... And she was like, oh, well, we'll just take her out and do this all, like, the exam bit with her. <laughs> uh, and she went out in the beautiful waters of the Maldives for a <laughs> fraction of the cost of it, the, when it yeah. cost back home. Uh, yeah. Did it first time. And I was just like, why what did we go through all of that at home when we could come here <laughs> and do a two-day course? Like, we were in uh-huh. the Maldives for 14 days. We could get there, book ourselves immediately in for the two-day course, and still have twelve yeah. days to dive. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so yeah, that would be my recommendation: go somewhere lovely <laughs> and do it, uh, yeah. Thailand or 
somewhere in the Indian Ocean, just somewhere like that. <laughs> uh, nice. But it is amazing. Yeah, I, I love scuba diving. I, I should really go and sort of like renew my certification. I think because I think mm. if you don't lo- if you don't use it, you lose it. Mm. Uh, yeah. Right then, we should. I should. I should get going. Rebecca's waiting for me. We've we've, we've started watching uh, Westworld. You mm-hmm. watched that all? Oh yeah. Yeah, we've watched it all the way through. I won't give anything away. Yeah, we're only three or four episodes in, but I, I said I'd go watch uh, an episode with it tonight, so I should get going. Nice. Yeah, we uh, we just switched to the leftovers. I have not seen that. So yeah, that one's very bizarre. I'm not sure if Beck's going to be able to keep up with it because it's similar to Westworld, but worse in the sense of you don't know really what's going on, <laughs> okay. um, and like weird things are happening. And yeah, yeah. anyway, it's kind of weird. So she just told me today. Uh, we, we've started, um, watching things at lunchtime instead of nighttime. Um, and she's like, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to watch any more of this, <laughs> so, right. but, uh, she, she was pretty, I think she's pretty on the fence with Westworld after the, the ending Okay, that she's going to watch anymore, but it's, it's great. It's great. Yeah. I'm it. enjoying it's, it so far. Cool. Oh, just one last thing. Uh, this time next week when we record, we'll both have seen Rogue One, so we will have to Indeed. do a small section rundown on Rogue One. No spoilers mm-hmm. for people, but uh, definitely get our opinions. Quick note, do you know who Kevin Smith is uh, of Jane Silent Bob? Yes. So Kevin Smith, big Star Wars fan. I mm-hmm. saw a tweet from him the other day. He said he'd seen Rogue One. He said it was amazing. And he <laughs> said, no, really, Empire Strikes Back kind of amazing. So Wow. Yeah, I am totally psyched. I'm, I'm going nice. tomorrow night, and I can't wait. Nice. Yeah, we're we're going Friday after school. Uh, we we got one of the uh, the places where you can go and eat dinner. Oh, cool! So, so it's a, a movie theater where we can go and have dinner and watch watch the movie at five thirty. Yeah. So that's we're, awesome. we're pretty excited about that. We need those places in the UK. But. Yeah, there there is one. We found one in um, Evesham, actually. Oh yeah. Uh, it's a whole different world down south to, to up north. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're still using projectors, I think. Like film projectors, I mean. So. Okay, man. Yeah. I better All get right. in. Thanks for talking. Sure thing. Call this one a wrap. You've been listening to that podcast with Bo and Dave. You can find Bo on Twitter and Google Plus at Bo Simonson and Dave on Twitter at Dave Development. You can subscribe to this podcast and review it on iTunes. If you'd like to review us but don't feel like we've earned five stars, email us so that we can talk about your issues. You can also subscribe to this podcast with RSS from our website, thatpodcast.io. From our website, you can also sign up for our newsletter to get super secret extra content from Bo and Dave sent directly to your inbox. Like the music? You can thank Gorillo for allowing us to sample the track Dust Kingdom for our intro and outro. You can find Dust Kingdom and other tracks by Grillo at grillo.bandcamp.com, spelled G-R-I-L-L-O. Grillo.